we're back making waves here at DefSec Atlantic, and uh, it's an exciting time. I can tell you, Jerry and I, you and I, we just sailed from... Um, uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, to Halifax on board HMCS Toronto. We did. And you'll recall that we were fueling uh, halfway uh, across uh, with the motor vessel Asterix. Now, Asterix, what a great Canadian treasure. This thing is enabling the fleet like you couldn't imagine. A beautiful ship, an incredible crew, a crew that's a collaborative effort of civilian and Navy. It's a magical thing to see happen and we are sure excited to have the Chief Executive Officer of Federal Fleet. They run a motor vessel Asterix here with us today. So Jill, Admiral, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, I'll thank you very much. Thanks for the, the kind word you just uh, talked about our ship, because it is our ship. Uh, we're really proud of it. So spent, uh, we, you and I go way back. Uh, started, uh, I was explaining to your partner here that first time we met was uh, on a parade square somewhere in uh, Esquimalt, <laughs> wow. uh, doing some uh, training as we started a career. So uh, basically I left university, uh, Montreal University, got uh, enrolled as a regular officer training plan. And my goal in life was to do four years, no more than four years, because I had a business degree. Right. I wanted to go in business. Yep. Well, I failed on that mission, <laughs> uh, literally. Uh, so uh, basically, um, it's one challenge after the other. And, 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 and you know, at some point in your life, you say, okay, when am I going to quit? And for me, it was command. When I got the opportunity to say, okay, there's a light, and that light is command of a ship, and I'm almost there. I think we took a family decision say okay we're gonna we're gonna do this right. we're actually gonna dive yeah. in and, and do this so I went for my command and I said okay all done right. I think I've achieved what I wanted to do <laughs> uh, let's go back on in Ottawa for a while and see what happens and then I get this call okay do you want to do this uh, absolutely so the next big option I got was uh, running the uh, security maritime security for the Vancouver 2010 Olympics the wow. golden goal. Right. Uh, I was there with yeah. a team of RCMP, wow. with a team of uh, U.S. Coast Guard in Discovery, which uh, right. you, uh, you know quite well. Yes. So here I was leading this team, and I was saying, "Okay, that's pretty cool too." Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's the next thing they're gonna give me? So at some point they said, "Okay, Jill, uh, how about going to uh, Tampa, Florida, for two years?" Okay, well, that sounds like this reason why. Of course, you got to check with the commander in fleet. Right, yeah, yeah. And we have sure. four kids at this stage. Not all of them came to Tampa, but here's the opportunity to uh, go work for U.S. Central Command. Yeah. And, uh, and, and a guy named Jim Mattis, right? Not too shabby at all. Not too shabby. And, and, and one of the greatest leader I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Wow. So I got to be very close. I was one of his deputy. Really? And uh, traveled with him a few times. Got to listen to him talking to Prince and uh, senior military. And, and we, I, I could tell a full hour talking about Jim's banner story. We'll, but, we'll get that on another podcast because yeah. that is very interesting. Yeah, for sure. That he's a, they call him the warrior monk. Right. And there's a story there that which I will save for that one. Anyway, so, okay. I come back and they said... Uh, What's next? Uh, okay, well, you're going to take a job in NDHQ. Oh, well, so, all right, good job. And then Mark Norman, Admiral Mark, sure. calls me in and says, Jill, how about taking the West Coast Navy? Okay, I am in. <laughs> so, uh, year in, on the West Coast, um, and just before that, I got to, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with RIMPAC, so yeah. I got to be the, the CIFMIC, so Combined Forces Maritime Component Commander. So Are you an admiral at this point now? I'm an admiral at this okay. point. So I've been an admiral for five years when I retired. Okay. 
And uh, here I was. So that's my Navy career. Did two years as the deputy, and then I said, okay, maybe it is time now yeah, to so do something different. When you started, did you ever think that you would be an admiral? Never. Well, <laughs> so here's here's a story on that. So the first thing that happened is when we were in the parade square graduating, right. Bob yeah. George, the admiral at the time, we yeah. were just brand new sub lieutenant. And he told us, he said, and I always stayed with me, he says, at one point, one of you will command one of those new warships. And that went whew, way over my head. Right? Right, yeah, There's yeah. no way I'm going to do that. Yeah. But the day I, I walked into HMCS Fredericton, yeah. and you know when you took command, you know what did it for me? Is I walked in the captain's cabin and I went, okay, this <laughs> is me. mine now. It's me. <laughs> so nobody's got to knock on my door and say, right. do it that way this time. So that was the showstopper. And, and for me, no one, and I never, and I never thought, I never aimed for being an animal. It just happened. And it and, and happened for one thing. Is for the people that work with me, and I work, and I never say for me. They always work with me. So they lifted you up. They all the time, and, and and I have an approach that I trust people, right? And and I I will challenge them to do the best they can, yeah. and that's been very. I mean, I would never have been an admiral if it wasn't for the team behind me, and I, I can name many people yeah. that really allowed me to progress in my career, and I would say that uh, we had we had fun. There was never a dull moment. And, and so I, I give you the short version. And we can talk that next time about my tour in command, because that's also a highlight of your career. So, Jared, to answer your question, he didn't think he was going to be an admiral, but there's many people on the parade square that day that knew you would be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you had something special about you back then. You still do, uh, Jill. And so now you find yourself back in the Navy in a different way. Right. So here's, here's how that happens. At, at some point... Uh, James Davy reached out to me and he said, uh, so Jill, we need a little bit of help with something we're doing. How about you coming over and helping us? And that helping us ended up, okay, so I'm here now as the CEO of Federal Fleet. But I, I can tell you what did it for me. There's two strong beliefs in my mind, and I'll take the more strategic one. I believe that Canada needs a third ship here. Right. I believe that from a strategic perspective, from what we've got coming from Coast Guard, right. Uh, protecting our, uh, our, our northern boundaries to the ships we need to build. In, in Irving and in, in the, the shipyard on the west coast, uh, Vancouver shipyard, they are great shipyards. Yep. They, they do an amazing job of what they do. But there needs to be a third one. Right. And I believe that Davy, from the people, from the infrastructure, was that shipyard. Right. So that's the biggest strategic reason I came back to this. The other one is I believe in estimates. I believed in it when I was in uniform, and, and I certainly believe in it now. So, when the, and regrettably, we had a fire on board one of our tanker, and then the decision from the Navy at the time was, okay, we won't be able to sustain it. Right. And then Davy came up with this proposal, which was brilliant. It was a brilliant proposal. It's a brilliant proposal. Yeah, for sure. Innovation at its best. 100%. 18 months to turn over a... Yeah. a a commercial ship into the areas yeah. that you've been on. Unbelievable. It's, the Navy it's had a period of time where they never had that support, right? Yeah. So this was important. This was essential. Now, essential. I was I was on the West Coast as the commander at the time, and we did a lot of work with Lamont, the artillery friend. Right. So right. I got very so friendly. You must have been very nervous with not having that support, right? Well, so there, there, are, two, there are two reasons why the right. Navy did that, and, and I, I don't think that's a secret. One no. is the Blue Water Navy needs a tank. Of right. course. Yeah. End of story. So very short. The second one is we were worried that this is a skill that yeah. is unique, so it would be Very atrophy. Yep. And, and if we don't get the opportunity to train our sailor to maintain that operational readiness, right then we were going to fail. Yep. So 
in, in, in kudos to my uh, Chilean friends and my Spanish friend and, and to Mark for running that. It did achieve part of the aim, but it didn't achieve the aim. Mm -hmm. we, we believe, and I'm biased, but I, I, I think I'm realistic as well, that with the Naval Replenishment Unit, the, the navies, the sailors that we send in, they do RAS. The last exercise, Cutlass Fury off the coast here, right. they did 14 RAS in 18 days. Wow. So not one of them was canceled because of technical or operational readiness. Wow. So well done to our team yeah. for managing the ship and the technical readiness, and well done for the Navy. Yeah. So they've achieved all their training and they were on target on the time. Yeah, what a success story. I mean, just that in and of itself is a true success story. You really uh, intrigued me there, Canada needs a third shipyard. I couldn't agree more. There's a volume of work coming towards us right now that we need all hands on deck. And that's kind of what DevSec to me represents. It is a explosion right now in shipbuilding, things going on. Speak to that a little bit. Well, I mean, we all know that when when the NSS came out, which wasn't called the National Shipbuilding Strategy, uh, Davy Shipyard wasn't really a competition, in competition. And I always have a funny story. So my dad lives in Levy, yeah. right by the shipyard. Like when I go home and when I go to my dad's place, I jog, I get to the shipyard, I come back. That's my 10K run. Dad was a train conductor, right? Dad was a train huh? conductor. Good memory. Well done, well done. Yeah. And at the time when the bid would come up, he'd say, oh, this is, I think the shipyard's got a chance. And I would say, Dad, they have zero chance. This is a I mean, we, nobody will say it out loud, but they had zero chance. But now, the shipyard has the capability, the leadership at the very senior level, uh, the ownership to move on. They've done some great work in the last 10 years. Now, I think we, we need to realize that, and we need to say, okay, what's, what's in the order book for Canada? Yeah. Well, Coast Guard is, is, is a pretty uh, big customer right now, so we need to replace the Louis Santa Line, and it's been announced that the two replacements, one would be in Vancouver, one would be at Davis Shipyard. We did, the rest of the Coast Guard ships, they need some replacement. You know, Transport Canada needs some ferries, uh, and, and Irving is doing great work with the Arctic Officer Patrol vessel, and, and, and the CSC is going to be quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. So if you, do, you put all that together, don't the two current shipyards just can't handle. There's a volume of it's, work. It's a volume. It's, yeah. it's not the quality of those shipyards, yep. just the volume of work. Yep. So let's bring another shipyard right. online. And oh, by the way, in the long run, because it'll take us time to build those fleets, right? Let's right. not kid ourselves. Yeah. But when it comes time to maintain those fleets, we're going to be ready to do it. 100%. And the final point is we've got to stop being shy. we got to look at exporting our skills. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of uh, the, my boss, what James Davies' point was, Jill, you know, if you look at Norway, for example, Norway's developed a, 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 a specific skill in building specific ships. Right. And they're very competitive in the world. Mm -hmm. Why can't Canada do that? Because at the end of the day, our, uh, I should say, our hourly rate and our cost of living is significantly lower than for those sure guys. Is, yeah, yeah. So once we get the shipyard in a good state, once we get the technology that we can get now out of the world, to build a shipyard that's efficient, capable, with the right level of workforce, and that's another challenge all by itself. Why can't we go out on the international market mm -hmm. and say, hey, mm -hmm. we can build that for you for a very decent price. Right. So that's that's the future of that industry. I don't know where else to turn. I had a whole bunch of points to cover, but you've covered them all. <laughs> Jerry, what are your thoughts? You know, you used a word that I always loved, uh, not because, it, it, it's the word atrophy. Thinking about, um, the, the, the crew, uh, the, the, the expertise. Unfortunately, the country did let the shipbuilding um, 
you know, they, it atrophied. So I think we've really turned that around. And your enthusiasm, I see your point, a third shipyard. Mm -hmm. We have an incredible coastline. Uh, Let's get at it. Let's do it. And, and to your point about atrophy of the, 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 the worker. So one of the things that happens now as we, we're starting talking with Canada is we need to have a plan right. for those people. We need to bring the workers back. So we, we're engaged with school. We're engaged with CJEP in Quebec. We're, we're, the, the university around the... the Laval and others to say, okay, how do we make this? It's going to be a 20-year career, right? When we start That's this right. thing, okay, so people need to understand that there's a career in shipbuilding, high-tech industry, where engineers are going to be required, and they're a pretty good-paying job. Yeah, yeah. Living in a place like living in Quebec City, it's not a bad, not a bad place, place to be. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we think we can make, we can turn that around, and we can build. A shipyard that's efficient, capable, and offer something for the region to be proud, and offer the young folks an opportunity for a career—not a job, a career—in shipbuilding industry. Do you ever circle back to your dad and say, "You were right, Dad. Something can be done here." Well, my dad keeps bugging me now because <laughs> so uh, you left ironic. the navy to join the shipyard that you yeah. said was. Uh, yeah, yes, Dad. But, but uh, no, we, we got to get your dad on the podcast. I think yeah, that oh, would yeah. be fun. He he would love that. He's yeah. a he, he's a. He's over 80 now, yeah. but he's still all there, and uh, yeah. we like to have a good chat. Yeah. Listen, Jill, uh, I could, I can't thank you enough for your participation in making waves here. There's a lot of strong leaders in this room right now in industry and retired and still serving military people. But you rank up there, my friend, as well, one of the strongest guys. But before, you know, uh, we've heard a lot about the Jill Couturier Admiral. <laughs> we've heard a lot about Jill Couturier businessman. Tell me about your passion for hockey, because I know yeah. that you're passionate about the sport. Yeah, so uh, I was the hockey sponsor, so the hockey patron. So in, in the Canadian Armed Forces, you uh, you nominate somebody to help the PSPC folks, uh, sorry, uh, PSC folks to, to help with the, the, the sport. So I was the hockey patron. I played in five national championships with the forces. I played university hockey. Uh, I'm a, I coach my kids, and I refereed at the uh, university in uh, Quebec Major Junior level. So there is certainly a passion for me in the sport. And during my two years in Tampa, I, I got to uh, meet the team, meet the uh, Vincent Le Cavalier, Martin Saint Louis, really? uh, all the key players from the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Great organization. Uh, so uh, yes, I'm passionate about. Are, are you recruiting them into the reserves by chance? Well, Vinny is. Uh, <laughs> so when Vinny left, uh, him and I had a quick chat after one of the yeah. event, and and I told him I said if you ever come to Canada and you want to try something new, because he he is those guys are passionate about the military. Like the states is very passionate about the military. Right. But the, I, I got an opportunity to do the, the the warrior credo for at the training camp, and Vinny and Martin came back to me after it. They. First of all, they wanted to know more about our Navy. Right. And, and then the next thing is, can I ever go on a ship? So uh, I promised that whenever I get a ship on the West Coast, when I was serving, that I was going to do that. Never turn up. But it's a great sport, and it's about team. We it's need to hook team. them up with Cray Robichaud. Yeah, it's it's about team. Class. It's about team. And Al, before you go, let me uh, do a little something you're well aware of. Ah. So you're such a good, uh, <laughs> passionate guy uh, about Asterix. So here's Asterix going. Uh, sailing in the sunset with Federal Fleet Services. Oh, so, and you know the tradition. I know the tradition. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Well, folks, what a great edition of making waves. Uh, 
This is a true Canadian right here we've got next to us. Son of a train conductor from Quebec, makes his way through the ranks of the Canadian Navy, leads a lot of people, attributes his success to the very people that he's led. Now he's responsible for one of Canada's national treasures, the motor vessel Asterix, and what a success story that is. Jill, I can't wait to see what's over the horizon and what you're going to contribute to this country in your service and you continue to serve our country. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. Thank you.